Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Welcome back to episode 109 of the On the Table Gaming podcast, and thanks to our Patreon supporters for making our content ad-free. So today we're going to be talking about A Song of Ice and Fire organized play and the upcoming you know, competitive scene here with the U.S. Nationals Tournament with Brett Lanford. And, you know, we might have some tips for those of you that are looking to compete at the national event. Uh, so before we jump into this quick disclaimer, you know, we're really excited to be talking about organized play and in-person events. But we recognize, you know, things are very different in different places. So just, you know, please follow your local guidelines regarding public health safety. You know, be smart, be safe. So with that being said, Brett, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me again. So I'm excited to talk to you about organized pay, but especially this upcoming Nationals event. But before we get into that, let's take a second and go back to, uh, to a simpler time, since I know you've been around for a while. So, you know, we got to kind of imagine, you know, 2019, right? It, it's been a while, right? Uh, Lil Nas had Old Town Road. That's the top of the billboards. Uh, there's a big fuss. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth posted on Instagram for the, big, for the first time. And there was this player, Ron Krasnick, playing out of Mythico Studio in New Jersey, who won the first A Song of Ice and Fire national event at PAX Unplugged under the 1.4 rule set. That, that probably seems like forever ago. But Brett, you, of course, remember Ron. Oh, I, I know Ron really well. I still have a chat. Pretty active with uh, him and Chris from Mythicos. So you guys are pretty thick as thieves. And one of the things of note back then was, you know, we're, we're talking about way back in 1.4, but that was a pretty dominant time for the Night's Watch. And there was, a, and you are well established for being both a Lannister player, but also a Night's Watch player. So you guys kind of were a little thick as thieves there. It was scary when you guys started bouncing off each other ideas. Yeah, it was, it was fun because Ron and I, we're both running at the time we were running Flaidmen in Night's Watch and people were kind of scratching their heads and they're like, why are they running Flaidmen? Well, I, yeah. was, running, I was running Flaidmen with John primarily, but I did have an awful Flaidmen list that also had trackers. Ron just went all in with like double flayed men, triple trackers, Othel. And I just kept asking, I remember I was asking him like, how do you have the nerves to run this list of fire and blood? And he's like, well, it doesn't really matter if their commander's dead. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. And you guys, you can go back and listen to episode 59 where uh, Ron talks about kind of his uh, table your opponent, wipe your opponent off the table sort of a play style. And it was interesting because both of you, that was a time when people were saying the Night's Watch were really powerful, but it was uh, a lot of it was focused on the Sworn Brothers. I think they were, what, was they still at six points back then? Was that what it was? They might have just transitioned over to seven at that time but it's possible that they were six but yes the the sworn brothers were what were but you guys weren't playing that like main style and so everyone's like oh it's so powerful and you're like we don't even use that like because i remember it was before because when it switched over you guys were like yeah that doesn't really really stop what i'm doing absolutely so so excited to have you know you know uh brett the the meta breaker uh land for on here to talk (laughs) about uh what might be coming up down the road? But but before we get to the, the tournament stuff, um, you know, that stuff, that seemed like a forever ago, uh, the last national event. That was 2019. And, you know, due to COVID, the national tournaments, the organized play events, all that just came to a complete stop. And so now, you know, fingers crossed, Simon has been rolling out information about how that's starting back up again. And literally, it seems like organized play is just picking off like right where it left off. We've got our back to play kits. I think it's got Baratheons, uh, Stannis and Renly in them, which was like literally the hotness, like right, right when COVID hit. So we're getting back into it and they're encouraging people to reach out to organized play at simon.com uh, or having their stores reach out to them to, to get these gameplay kits. 
get people back in their stores. And then if you're playing games or you've got game night kits and you're doing events uh, to use the social media hashtag CMON games, so hashtag CMON games, hashtag SIF, so Song of Ice and Fire back to play and getting media out there. And I know there were some questions about whether this is going to be, you know, also for Europe or Asia. They are. And I think right now they're just kind of rolling things out in waves. So they said that stuff and information will be forthcoming. But so that's going to be really cool just to get, you know, these smaller things going to get people back into stores. And, you know, the organized play kits typically have things like uh, sculpt, like so those alt sculpts. They're kind of like silver and gold uh, rulers, dice bags. Do you have any like kind of a preference? Like, are there certain things that you're like, yeah, I, I generally prefer uh, these sorts of kind of like promo items? Uh, you know, I think for the most part, um, I know those promos are really popular. So the last time I ran a tournament, the, the person who got the very first pick could have had a starter set or any of the boxes that we had available. Mm-hmm. And they actually chose the Stannis promo. Nice. So it's interesting. So I think... <sighs> It's tough because, you know, the unit boxes are always useful, uh, especially if it's something that's either soon to be released or if it's a fresh release and people yeah. haven't had the chance to purchase them yet. Those are always going to be really, really nice prizes and people are going to jump on those. Obviously, the starter boxes, if if it's a, a an event that warrants such a huge prize, those are popular. But honestly, those little promo kits that are kind of a limited run, and I think some of them are even numbered. Yeah, uh, those are always going to be popular prizes just because they're rare. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of always funny. It depends on like player base, I guess. Right. Because a lot of times you're jumping with a starter set. Like you may uh, you may already have some starter sets in your collection. You, you might be uh, all set. But it's, it's going to be harder for you to maybe catch up and get uh, those like limited edition promos. Uh, that being said, those are definitely more like collector items, right? You know, I've got a few. I know a lot of people, but like, you know, usually you don't see people out there like playing games with them. They're, they're typically like still in the box. Yeah, absolutely. They're typically in the box and, and mo- most often they're even still shrink wrap. They're just a collector's kind of thing, uh, particularly the the um, promos that are the golden model. Yeah. They have golden high Seneschal. I believe there was, I think there was a promo that was like a Rob and a Jamie. And uh, that yep. I've never seen that. That's got to be a really rare one. Well, those and ones they, were, uh, I can't remember. There Because some of them are not uh, game night promos. They're event specific. So there's like a San Diego Comic-Con one. <laughs> there's, uh, which is, there's one of them that is Jim Ludwig, I know, because we just talked to him. And I was like, hey, I've got you in a box. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's a Stark Sworn Sword Stark Captain. Stark Sworn Sword Captain. That's what it is. You know, the other one is like, strangely enough, I, you feel like some of these events, like they're often so generously supported, you can end up with like a lot of things. I feel like actually the dice bags are something that like get the most use out of me. It's like I have like other games, like board games and stuff that I'm using like extra dice bag. All the Night's Watch ones I got go out there and I just keep the other. No, no. But, uh, you know, so it's pretty cool. It's, it's exciting to get this stuff back into play and for people to be able to get some of this this new swag, you know, things that just encourage people to get together at, at a store and, you know, hopefully get some games in and, and experience a Song of Ice and Fire. So you can reach out to organize play at cmon.com to, to see the, about getting your store to, to be able to run these events and have these things. So reach out and make that connection. But then maybe on the larger scale of things, a lot of times when people think about organized play, a lot of people are really excited about tournaments and the, these sort of bigger events. And, you know, we've literally had, you know, it's been the last national event was since 2019. And so they're jumping right back in. We've got one coming up just around the corner in September. Uh, and so maybe can you talk to us a little about what, what's this event going to be uh, like? It's going to be your typical two list format, 40 points. 
I can't go into super specifics because I just don't know. This okay. is one that I don't really have my hand in. Uh, it's being put together by Robert uh, from Organized Play. He's actually coming to Indy to run it, which is super cool. So anybody who's listening, if you want to have a chance to have a face-to-face with Organized Play, come to Indy. You can meet him. He's going to be there. So that would be cool. But with that said... Um, I would expect a typical, um, you know, they're going to choose from the game modes that are in the app. Uh, it's going to be two-list format, 40 points. I'm not sure if Kickstarters will be allowed. Uh, probably not because it's an official CMON thing. And so far as I know, they're planning to make it two days where the top 16 are chosen from the first tournament, from the first day. And then there will be kind of like a playoff style where the top 16 play in in the ultimate match for the 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 winner of the overall event. So. so so that'll be September 4th and 5th, right? Over those two days? Right. And then the 5th, in addition to the top the top 16 tournament, they're running in a, a tournament at the same time for anybody who didn't qualify for the top 16. So it's not going to be a feel bad. If you make the trip and you didn't make the top 16, you'll still be able to play with other people in another supported event the next day. That's fantastic too. Cause you're, if you're traveling, I uh, you know a distance to get there and maybe things don't go the way you hoped on the first day, you still stick around and get a bunch of games in and meet some new people and, and, you know, kind of build those connections. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the important thing. And it's, it's really important because we know that um, some some digital play has happened in in uh, the COVID times. You know, people are turning to whatever they can do to kind of keep the passion going. Uh, this game was meant to be played on the table, so it's really exciting to me to get it back to pushing models across the board. And more importantly, it's it's socializing with your friends, making new friends, making new uh, new relationships and and getting to know those guys. And then uh, when you're in close proximity of, of each other, supporting each other's local stores. Right. So they come yeah. to your event, you go to their event um, and and then it's one big happy gaming family. Right. Because that's what it's all for at the end of the day is this is an escape from real life. This is a hobby and it's meant to be fun. So that's the that's the exciting thing for me. I think after the past you know year or so, nothing has become more evident than that. <laughs> Absolutely. And you've been to, we were kind of touching on some of the organized play kit stuff, but you've been to CMUN events in the past and tournaments and, uh, you know, as if I, and you've also played other games beside A Song of Ice and Fire. How would you describe uh, CMUN prize support as term, in terms of maybe like uh, how generous they are when they support events? So I, when I played, when I played Warhammer Fantasy Battles, um, it was interesting because uh, I always went to Buckeye Battles, which was, the largest tournament in the Midwest and all of the prize support was donated by players or it was purchased with entry money. There was never an official like prize support from games workshop. So I can just compare those two. And that's, that's really the only two games that I've played. But in my opinion, Simon is actually very, very generous, generous, maybe overly generous. Even yes. um, <laughs> they, they do a lot. They give a lot away. I know at Gen Con, I won the Baratheon starter box before, obviously before it was ever even released. It was an early release Baratheon box. And then in addition to that, they gave me a list of uh, unit boxes that were available and I got to pick six or eight of them. So I think. And let, let's be clear, like in uh, any game, you know, that's a lot. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire, a, a starter set and six unit boxes. Uh, you comfortably can have an entire new faction 
Like, <laughs> like that's that's a lot of stuff in this game. Absolutely, it's a huge amount. Mm-hmm. Um, the retail on it, even even at that time, was was three hundred plus. So oh yeah, it was, it was incredibly generous, and that was the the first place. And I think the second place got four unit boxes mm-hmm. and then i think even third place got two or three unit boxes of their choice so these are definitely things that are worth having on your radar and uh practicing for and gearing up for and and getting ready to partake in but sometimes that can be kind of scary and maybe you know maybe nationals isn't maybe the best place to jump in to start but you know there's if you can do it you know, give it a shot uh, but if you're looking to make the jump into simon organized play and these sorts of tournaments or maybe even using nationals as their focus you know what are some lists people might expect to see at nationals and what what are some maybe things they want to be taking into consideration to to beat them are there th- certain things that they should be maybe expecting to see i think for the most part is to, in the united states and then in particular around the midwest there's actually a huge baratheon following um mm-hmm. For a little while, it was Night's Watch, but I think I think Baratheons have surpassed Night's Watch as kind of it's just this faction that people love. We've got a pretty strong Baratheon following. I think at the last tournament, I want to say there were four or five out of 16 were Baratheons. So that's a pretty substantial number. So I think if you're not familiar with the new Baratheons tactics deck... You're not familiar with what Wardens do now because Wardens in particular have been reworked and they're kind of a defensive punish you for attacking them in a different kind of way. You might check out Baratheons and and look at what they can do. The Stannis side is pretty popular. You know, even though he's a jerk in the fluff, uh, a lot of people (laughs) like to play Stannis. Oh, Uh, man. You're just stirring the pot here. Here come the comments. (laughs) Anyhow, go ahead, Brett. Yeah, I, (laughs) I would expect to see some Dragonstone Nobles as the solo and as the attachment and uh for the for the newer players that might not be super familiar you've got to watch out for that uh sentinel order on those guys where the it's essentially counter charge uh worked in as an order so definitely something to keep in mind it's possible that you'll see some night's watch if that's the case you'll probably see you know a crossbow unit with watch captain or two mm-hmm. uh, that seems unlikely and i think you'll probably see some dragons so it's going to be uh, it's it's a little bit hard to make an all comers list, but just in general, you definitely want to have at least one of your lists that can sustain uh, morale shenanigans because mm-hmm. you've got a ton of panic damage coming from free folk. Yeah, and the Lannisters and the Stannisite all focus on really, really, really hammering you with panic. So uh, you'll want to have at least one of your lists as as much as you can. Uh, buy some stalwart attachments or buy some iron resolve and things like this to really help you uh, get past that panic damage because a lot of those armies i don't want to say a hundred percent but the vast majority of their spike damage is coming from those panic tests so if you can get an attachment that has embolden or if you can get rally point uh, with Greyjoys, asha or mance and the free folk that's definitely a smart thing to include in at least one of your lists Fantastic. And that, that makes a lot of sense here. Uh, so are you going to be partaking in this event? I will be playing. I have not decided what I'm going to play yet. What faction? You're still open to a faction advice or I'm, are you talking about lists? I'm still open to a faction, actually. I, uh, I'm i debating between um, Baratheons, if I can get Shane to let me borrow his. I actually don't own Baratheons. Mm-hmm. Debating between them, 
uh, Night's Watch, Lannister, and possibly Targaryens. Hmm. All right. I can see how it is. Well, so you've uh, you've had some success at past events, right? And this maybe isn't the one to to take a big risk with. But is there? I can't remember now. Is there a faction actually that you haven't won a major event with yet? Is it Baratheons uh, or I? Yeah, I haven't won with I haven't won a major event with Baratheons. It's all been Night's Watch and Lannister. So okay. I might I think the last time we had a podcast, I promised you when we were discussing some of the visions and the flames and things yep. like that. I had promised you that I was gonna dip my toe in Targaryens. Yes. And you had said you were surprised that I hadn't tried them yet because they're so in line with that tracker spam that I yeah. used to run. So I'm kind of, I'm honestly kind of leaning towards Targaryens. Very, all right. I think you should go for it. I think I would, I would push for that. You got to do the, you got to slowly go down and check the boxes of all the factions here. Uh, <laughs> I won't, I won't harass you about free folk at this time. Although we've had talk about uh, free folk in the past, but uh, yeah, I had to, I just sell my free folk stuff or they would totally be on my radar. There's too many of them. I'm hoping some people out there, I don't know if Mark Rupp is actually going to nationals. If you're listening to Mark, you should. And uh, <laughs> there's some players out there. I just like to watch and see what they're doing. And, uh, Look at the success they're having. I know he's been tearing it up with some free folk, so um, maybe something you'll see. Yeah, I don't know. So for Targaryens, is there any commanders that have been really standing out to you? I've been trying to dabble with them, and that's been like kind of my fun side thing while I've been um, really mostly focusing on free folk. And I've mostly been running Caldrogo and experimenting with some lists with him. But any any fact any commanders that have been really standing out to you with Targaryen? Caldrogo uh, definitely stands out to me. Um... But, but and that's mostly because he's got expert duelist in a cavalry unit, which is just very nice. But uh, aside from him, I think you should give Grey Worm a shake. Okay. There's a number. There's a number of cool things that you can do with Grey Worm because issue commands can be used to remove an order token. If you're running something like Bastards Girls with the uh, Unsullied Officer, you have the option to either. Uh, take Grey Worm's unit and make no actions, and then you can give the like the Bastards Girls another action, or you can remove their order token, which could be Relentless or the Charging Volley. And oh. I know that with um, Roderick NCU and the Starks, I know a lot of Stark players have been removing that Charging Volley order token mm-hmm. and using that twice in a round, and that's just really, really brutal. But the other thing you can set up with Grey Worm, uh, of course, having issue commands, is you're able to double, maybe triple tap with a dragon. And that's pretty nasty. Oh, my gosh. That seems interesting. <laughs> yeah, issue commands is essentially a more restricted version of, of Tyrion's old cunning ploy card. Yeah, yeah. So you can, yeah, you can definitely bunker Grey Worm in a unit that you don't mind missing out on their attack. Something defensive like Pikemen and then, or even uh, Bolton Blackguard. That is a phenomenal bunker unit in any army. But if he's in them, you don't really miss his attack. You just give the dragon another attack and that's ouch. And it oh, comes with tactics cards. They're not even necessarily expecting it. Like they might know that it's a possibility, but it's always going to be like, oh god, when when you play that card and the dragon attacks again. I will definitely experiment with that. And you know, I, and let's see if you end up taking Targaryens to to nationals. That would be exciting to see. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, and so this is going to be run through family time games. And so where is that located? People are maybe just listening to this and they're going to start maybe Googling right now and, and pulling up the Facebook event that's already set up. Um, where do you want to start looking for maybe getting like tickets or uh, where are they flying out to? Uh, it's it's actually located in Indianapolis. It's right off of 465, which if you're not familiar with Indianapolis, 465 is the interstate that essentially circles 
the city of Indianapolis, and it's right off of that interstate. You're looking at maybe 30 to 40 minutes from the airport. It's basically a pretty central location. It's close to a couple of interstates, and it's close to our north side where there's so there's plenty of hotels and accommodations and things of that nature uh but what you're looking for is it's right off of michigan road i can google it and find the address but essentially i'll put it i'll put a link in the the show notes to it okay yeah if you just take the take 465 which again it's our main central highway in indianapolis and you get off on the michigan road exit the store is less than a mile off of that exit so it's it's pretty convenient, located right off of the interstate. We can fly out there, drive out there, and hopefully jump in on the event and and uh, get some games in. And you know, I think to to be fair, this was the same a uh, criticism of the 2019 event, and also this one. Now, first off, the people organizing this, like they're not involved with this part. I'm sure they're going to run an amazing event. Actually, I basically can guarantee it. Uh, Shane's run events before in the past. Family Time Games does a great job with that. Um, there were some people that were critical that, you know, hey, it's only three weeks notice. That's not that much time. You know, I'm looking at this as like, this is getting the ball started again. Like, let's get the events that we can do and and just plow forward and get get more coming. You know, it's been two years since we've had a, a national. So even just getting something out there and uh, if this is how we start things back up and get it going, like, you know what? That's still awesome. Yeah, I know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they were just watching. They were closely monitoring Gen Con. They were closely monitoring the COVID situation. So they just didn't want people like committing to making the trip and, you know, taking the time off of work if they weren't going to be able to have it. So yeah, that's kind of why it was so short of an announcement. And like, obviously, they, they didn't do it on purpose, like right. to trick people, you know, or to, to get yeah, every, them we want these to be the biggest day. events. You know, everyone wants them to be successful. But, you know, there is that safety safety component and we want to make sure it works out, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and it's exciting just to get these things back and going like the first of, of many to come. And I think getting these things kind of laid out and, and back and running, I think is going to be really key. I was really big into Star Wars Legion and uh, uh, their kind of rally point qualifier. You kind of do like a bunch of local events building up to a national event would be great. Now, obviously, we're almost through like 2021. We're halfway through. And with the masks and things like that, like it, it's it's hard to lay the groundwork for something like that. That's kind of a risky gamble because, you know, things are going to be canceled, events changed, et cetera. And, but down the line, it'd be cool to see this kind of build into a, a larger system. So hopefully this is a success and, and people have a ton of fun. And then that'll encourage them to continue to expand on these concepts and, and build things out further. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's the end game for it. Um, you know, they plan to do this. They've been wanting to do this. It's been... Uh, Robert's been chomping at the bit to get <laughs> events like these going. Because so. they got shut down hard for uh, for quite some time. So I think anybody who can't make it to this one, you know, there shouldn't be really any hard feelings because there will be more. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on how, how things shake out this year, there might be another one this year. So. Oh, that'd be amazing. Well, absolutely exciting. So lots of cool stuff coming from Simon Games and the the fire's getting built back up here again, right? We're slowly rebuilding and I think a lot of communities are in this place. And, you know, conventions, depending on regions, depending on, um, you know, what what places, how hard places are getting hit, et cetera. Like some conventions are running, some are not. And so it's it's great that there are places that are able to do this. They are going ahead and, um, you know, running safe, safe events that are uh, getting people out and playing. Yep. 
But with that being said, you know, we're going to have this one be a little bit of a shorter one. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to have to have you come on here and talk a little bit about like how the event goes, maybe some of the lessons you learn and, and uh, success or cool things you see at this event. Talk about some of the lists there. And if you're in the area or if you're able to fly out, you can do a little bit of traveling. This is definitely one to check out. It's going to be a big event. And not only that, um, that's a well-known area that has a lot of great communities with a lot of great people. So going out there and kind of networking, getting to meet some new people, swap some ideas, talk about some lists, you know, that can be worth it in itself as well. So be sure to check out the U.S. National Champions for 2021. And the easiest way to do that. If you guys haven't already, make sure you got, go over to the Facebook page to the A Song of Ice and Fire Tabletop Miniatures Game official page, and they post all these events and links to them, all the CMON organized play stuff there. Jump on over. You can click the links and see all the registration information. They're using the standard CMON tournament packs, and you can get in there and get involved. Brett, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. Yeah, you know, it's always my pleasure. And in the meantime, I hope you get your miniatures on the table. <laughs>